It's so fitting for this message because our God is so much bigger, so much better, so much greater, so much stronger than anything that may be in your life. Amen. Our God is that God. Amen. He truly is. It's not, it's not just a saying that we say. It's not just a fairy tale written in a book. It's not just one of those things that we quote from time to time. It is a fact, amen, that God is greater than anything, amen, anything. That means absolutely anything in your life. He's greater than that. And if He is greater than anything that's in your life, amen, then He is worthy of our worship, amen. If He's greater, He is worthy of our worship, amen, amen. I want to read a passage of scripture to you. We're going to pray today. I want to encourage you to worship the Lord today in the spirit and beauty of holiness. Amen. With everything that's within you, give Him praise. That's what the Bible says we should do. Everything that's within us. God does not want our leftovers. Amen. God wants the first and best seat at your table because He deserves it. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7, So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Heavenly Father, as we come before you today, we love you supremely. We praise you and we honor you truly in this house today. Lord, there's nothing that is bigger, better, stronger or greater than you you are the i am you are the very the very essence of our existence god if it were not for you none of us would have woke up today and seen that beautiful sunrise none of us would be able to feel that precious breeze that you allow to blow across this 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 land that we're standing on this morning none of us would have been able to enjoy the birds chirping none of us would have been able God, to enjoy the food that you prepared for us before we came. Lord, without you, nothing would be possible. Amen. But Lord, we came to praise you today Amen. because your word declares to us yes. a solemn truth Glory to you. that Hallelujah. through your son, Jesus Christ, all things now are possible unto your children that you love and that you gave the very best for. So God, we want to praise you and honor you today. And I pray today, Lord, that our worship and our praise to you would be sufficient, God. That it would be a blessing to you. That it would honor you, Lord, because you so rich to deserve every bit of it and then some. So Lord, today I pray that you would help none of us today to give you what's left over from our week. I pray that none of us would give you what's left over from our weekend. But God, I pray that you have helped each one of us to come into the house of God with, with an offering of praise that has been prepared over prayer, that's been prepared over meditation with you, God. And I pray that you would receive it with gladness today. And oh God, I pray that it would be a blessing to you once again. For Father, we love you and ask all these things today in your precious Son, Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of Lords, our Savior. We ask all of these things in His name today. And all God's children said, Amen. 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 Can you give Him a hand clap of praise today?
Amen, amen. We'll dismiss our young people there. And if you have your Bible, to turn to Luke's Gospel, chapter 21 with me. Luke's Gospel, chapter 21. Put your finger on verse 1. If you didn't bring your Bible, that's a whole other message. But it'll be on the board behind me. <clears throat> Hopefully. Amen. Every one of us ought to have our Bible because I don't believe any of us don't have a cell phone. Can I get a witness? And a person in the house ain't got a cell phone. We might be out without a Bible. We got a cell phone. So on that cell phone, I have two Bible apps. So I'm sure you've got one too. If you don't, I encourage you to get one. Amen. The cost of worship. Paul here to the church at Corinthians was speaking a tremendous truth here. And most of the time when we look at this particular passage of Scripture, our minds immediately go to tithing as it, as it pertains to finances. Is that right? as it pertains to finances. Uh, and he is talking about finances. He is talking about God loves a cheerful giver, right? Not somebody that gives begrudgingly. I've always been told all my life, if you're going to put $100 in the offering plate and wish you had 50 of it back, you ought to get it all back because it ain't going to do you any good. Amen? Because you're giving it begrudgingly. Or if you put it in there in order to receive something back, I would say to you, you probably should take it back again. Because we're giving it for the wrong reasons. When the Bible says that he loves a cheerful giver, it means somebody that gives without any strings attached. Amen? Is that right? That's what he's talking about here. And that is true as it pertains to tithing. But it's also very true as it pertains to worship. Amen? Amen. God doesn't want us to come into the house of God and worship him simply because there are singers, wonderful, beautiful singers, much prettier than I. Amen? Amen? <laughs> I heard an amen. We're going to talk after service, whoever that was. <laughs> right? Telling us, y'all come on, get up, sing with me, praise, right? Clap your hands. Right? That's not, that's not true and undefiled worship as the Bible declares to us in the book of James. That is inspired worship because somebody is asking you to do so. Is that right? Or they're pleading with you to do so. Sometimes... You know how it is when you had a bad week or on a Wednesday night. What is it about Wednesday nights, right? It's tough in the middle of the week. We've all been hit in the face by a punch two or three times through the week, and we get here and we're kind of punch drunk, right? And so we're up here, and it seems like on Wednesday nights, a lot of times these musicians and singers are up here saying, Come on, y'all. Come on now. You know, we're just trying to get into it. That's not the worship that God is after. Amen. What He's after is you come prepared to honor and glorify Him because of who He is. Amen. Amen. He is God. And I think in the world we live today, we take God for granted so many times because we've heard of God for so long, right? We've heard how we're supposed to do this and how we're supposed to do that, what we should be doing in the house of God, right? We've heard it for so long that we've just kind of gotten callous to it, right? And it's almost like, well, if they sing my favorite song, I'll probably raise my hands, right? You ever know that person that comes to church and they don't worship unless it's their song, right? The one that they've requested? The rest of the time, they're just sitting on their hands, or they're in oblivion somewhere. But they kind of get up for it, right, when it's their song. But we should always be worshiping God every single day, no matter whether it's good or whether it's bad, right? No matter how bad our day has gone, right? The Bible teaches us that we are to praise Him continuously. Isn't that right? Always worshiping God. It has been said many times that worship is what brings down the blessings of God. Is that right? It does. Worship brings down the blessings of God. But more importantly, church, listen to me. Worship brings down the presence of God. Yes. Amen? Yes. Not just His blessings. Listen. The blessings are not what you and I need. We think that's what we need. 
God, I need this thing, or God, I need that thing, or God, I really wish you would do this for me, right? I really need that bank account straightened out. I really need that pork chop on the table. I really need whatever it is, right? We have a specific list of needs for God. But that's really not what we need. He teaches us that in His Word when He says, to seek you first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then all other things would be added unto us. So it teaches us plainly that if we would just worship Him, that's what we need. Our spirit needs God's presence. And if we have His presence, then we have His presence. Amen? Gifts. Are you with me? So today's message is the cost of worship. When Paul was admonishing them to give out of an abundant heart or a cheerful heart, he is also speaking of that, not just your money. The news flash that was given to me several years ago, I've said it out of this pulpit many times, is God does not need your money. He doesn't need my money. He requires us to give that, but that's out of obedience. God wants to see your obedient heart. He takes the money that you give and He uses it for His glory and His honor. But I will assure you today, if everybody in this building quit giving your tithes because you've fallen out with your preacher, God would sustain this church. He'll touch somebody's heart to give it whether we're giving it or not. Because the Bible says that He owns the cattle of a thousand hills, right? He owns everything. That's why He said it that way, of a thousand hills. And we know as to the Lord a thousand hills Years is like a day, so a thousand hills must be like a one hill. That's right. <laughs> Amen? I mean, I'm from where it shows. I'm pretty simple-minded. <laughs> it simply means God owns everything. And you've heard me say before, not only does He own the hills, He owns the cattle on the hills, and the hills, and the grass, and the streams, and everything in it. Everything. God owns it all anyway. Here's what I told the church Wednesday night. God also owns you, and He owns me. He not only owns the cattle that stand on the hill... He owns you and me. Amen? You with me? He owns everything anyway. And so if He owns everything, then it all belongs to Him, including your praise and worship. The praise and worship that we give at the club... <laughs> Come on, somebody. I said that Wednesday night too. I ain't going to tell you what else I said. Because most of y'all wasn't here, and it's a good thing. We need to, can y'all erase that on Facebook? Is that possible? It's good. Brother Keith said he took care of that. But it was true. I won't get into it. Right? But, but He owns us, and if He owns us, then He owns our worship. Right. Amen. Amen? When we worship all these other things, right? It's fixed to be football season, and y'all, I make a fool of myself at football season. Amen. I do. I mean, I, you watch me at the to football game, and I'm having a mess, I'm, I'm, I'm a mess, and I'm having fun. Right? Unless they start losing, and I'm ready to leave. <laughs> That's right. I'm a fair weather fan, and I can admit it. That's the way it is. But I have a good time at a football game and I'll raise my hands and I'll shout and I'll jump around and man, I'll high five people I ain't even met before in my life. I find myself hugging people I didn't even know. Man, when COVID first let up and we went to our first Clemson football game, they had us spread out everywhere. But when Clemson did good, I found some, I ran to somebody to hug them. I mean, this is great. We got to celebrate. You know, Clemson just scored. And we're here at this game and we wasn't here last year. Right? But for some reason, when we come in the house of God, we can't hug the people that we've been seeing for years. Amen? We can't hug them and we can't shout with them, right? For some reason, you can shout with somebody that you don't ever, you've never met before, but when you come to the house of God, we can't even shout and praise God and we've been knowing those people. Isn't that right? Amen. Knowing them. 
It's all about your worship. It's all about a willingness to worship God. Let's take a look over here at Luke's Gospel, chapter 21, and verse 1 through 4 for just a second, and we'll dive into this message uh, here today. The Bible declares here in Luke chapter 21, verse 1 through 4, And he looked up, speaking of Jesus, and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a certain poor widow putting in two mites. Now, the key word here in this passage is gifts. He didn't say their tithes. He said gifts. Tithes and offering are two different things. This is a side note. A tithe is what's required by God that you and I are to pay into the church. I'm not going to preach on tithes, but so some of you know, because some of you, I know we have some new folks here, some folks that haven't been serving the Lord long, but tithing is not, you're not paying the preacher when you tithe. I have heard that most all of my life. We've got to pay our tithes to the preacher. You're not paying them to the preacher. You're paying your tithes to God. Amen? Amen. You're giving into the storehouse as the Bible teaches us. You're bringing your first fruits, which is your best. Right? We're talking about worship. When God requires the tenth, it's not the last tenth. It's not a 10% of what's in the middle. It's 10% at the beginning. Amen. Amen? Because the first fruits are the best. Amen? They're the best. I'm going to give you a for instance. Y'all know how I am with food. Everything equates, equates back to food. When I was a kid and we'd get chicken, my mom would cook chicken. You know, the kids, we didn't go first. Kids go first today. But when I was a kid, kids went last. If you were a visitor in my house, you went first. And then my mom and my dad, and then we kind of cleaned up. We were the cleanup crew, right? We like to, <laughs> y'all with me? I was batting cleanup. And so I'd go in, and whatever was there is what you got. The first fruits, most people when they go in, are going to get the best cut right now. In Mark's mind, it's the breast. I know some people's the leg, the thigh, whatever is the best one for you. Work it out. This is my story, so I can tell it. So if I would have went first, Colby, the breast would have been gone. That would have been gone first. Followed by like the little wing with the blue back things. There's some white meat in there too. I ain't into pulling veins through my teeth and legs. But anyway, so the first fruits is the best. And that's why God required that tithing is what he asked us. Well, he didn't ask us. He commands us to give into the church that first fruit, the tenth, for the work of the church. It goes back to in the Old Testament when the children of Israel come out of bondage and they went into the promised land. God promised them land. That's why it's called the promised land. Flowing with milk and honey. Brother Keith and I have been there and it's amazing how beautiful that place is with the children of Israel inherited. It's in the middle of a dead desert and this is just plush and green. So it's no doubt the promised land. There were these 12 tribes and 11 of them received promised land. One of the tribes did not and that is the Levitical tribe. The Levitical tribe were the priests and their job was to take care of the worship in the church, the tabernacle worship, the sacrificing, everything that had to take place. They didn't receive property. Their blessing was the first fruits. The 10% that was going to be coming in was from all the 11 tribes they brought that in for the work of the church to provide, yes, for the ministry team that was there, but also for the needs of the community. So that's where tithing came from. That's really the essence of tithing. Okay, Abraham paid the first tithe under uh, Malshazadak. And then we also see, again, where he institutes this, when he gave this land to the children of Israel. That's tithing. 
Okay? But offering is out of the increase, the 90% that you have left. Offering is what you and I give freely unto God that is not dictated to us. Which one do you think God honors the most? I mean, He'll honor them both, but which one do you think makes Him happier? I can tell you what the Bible just said. We just read it. He loves a cheerful giver. Amen? It's one thing to give because He said so, and you better do so because He wants you to. If you're not paying your tithes, pay them because you're not robbing you're not robbing me, you're robbing God. Amen? Amen. But in offerings, it's the same thing. God requires you and I not just to give our tithes, but He wants to see us give an offering. Now, giving an offering is not just in money, but it's in your time, right? To go visit somebody, it's your time to pray for people. It's going and cleaning the church. It's all, you can name anything you want that's good that you're doing for God and His people, that is offering. But worship is the most important thing you, can, you and I can do. Giving freely of our worship. Okay? It's important. So when you read this story here in Luke, you see Jesus teaching here. He's teaching about the fact that she gave and he's, he's dealing with money, but the underlying story is about our worship and about our heart. So he said Jesus looked up and saw these rich people putting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a certain poor widow putting in two mites. Now, a mite was equivalent in that day to about 1 64th of a denarii. A denarii was one day's wage. So one mite was a 64th of one day's wage in that time. In our time, a mite is one-eighth of a cent, a penny. That's what a mite is. So she gave two mites, okay? Two. But that's, the, that's, where, that's where it all lies. And you look at this story, and I'm going to remind you of these, this 64th here in just a few minutes. But it's, it's, it, he said they gave up their, into the treasury, he said putting their gifts in, and he saw this certain woman putting in these two mites, and then he goes on to say something to them that really moved me, and I want to move you today too. Listen to what he said. He said, so he said, truly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than they all. She's put in more than any of them that just gave these gifts into the treasury. And then he goes on to say why, because I'm sure his disciples were looking at him the same way that a lot of you look at me if you've never read that scripture before and say, how's that possible? Right? These, they were rich people giving in to the treasury and she just put in these two little old mites. And Jesus said this, for all these out of their abundance, speaking of the rich, have put in offerings for God, but she, out of her poverty, put all, all the livelihood that she had, put in all the livelihood that she had. An offering is different from a tithe. A tithe belongs to God, and we are simply returning that which we have borrowed. Amen? An offering is something of personal value that one gives to God out of worship. Amen? Amen. When you give your tithes into God, it belongs to Him anyway. Amen? All we're doing is giving back what belongs to Him anyway. You're giving back what you have borrowed. But when you put your offering in, you're giving that out of your person, something of personal value to you that you are given because what you are giving it to, you believe in it. You're moved by it. Amen? When you give somebody an offering, it's because you're moved by whatever it is that's caused you to move. In this, in this case that Brother Eddie was talking about, sometimes we give our offerings in because right, we see the need with this young man who lost his life too soon, and he's got children that are having to be raised. Right? So we're moved and we give our offering. It's something that we have a value that we give 
willingly. So Jesus simply looked at them and said, you know, they gave out of their increase, but she gave out of her necessity, out of her need, right? It came out of something. It was her livelihood. She put all in. Listen to me. As we get into this message, I want you to hear this if you hear nothing else. You've you got to be all in with Jesus. You've got to be all in with God, right? If we're going to worship Him, we've got to worship Him. That's why I said, you know, the Bible declares to worship Him in spirit and in truth, right? With everything that's within us, what does the Bible teach us to do? Praise ye the Lord. Amen? Everybody that has breath, let them do what? Praise ye the Lord. Say it with me. Everything that has breath, praise ye the Lord. Amen? It's what you and I were designed to do. I've preached it many, many times. Right? You were designed to do that. We weren't designed to wear Gucci clothing and look good. Amen? We weren't designed to just... It's not about us. It's always been about God. And what we're here to do is to worship Him. Everybody that's put here, the Bible teaches us, right, that we were made by God, right, for Him and for His what? Good pleasure. Is that right? We were made for God, by God, for God, and for His good pleasure. How does God get pleasure out of us? Our worship. He does not get pleasure out of watching us get sloppy drunk on a Friday, make it to the house and get over that hangover, and show up somehow on Sunday and go, thank you, Lord. There's no pleasure in that. We're worshiping the world and giving God second best. Amen? Amen? He doesn't get pleasure in watching us destroy ourselves. And for some reason, we feel the necessity to come to church and, oh, God, don't kill me. I'm sorry, I love you, Lord. Right? And then we go right back. He don't get pleasure in that. Where God gets pleasure is, is that we worship Him because He's God and because He deserves that. Amen? He's God. We were designed to worship and praise. We were not designed right, to destroy ourselves. We weren't designed to, to bring pleasures to ourselves, but pleasures to God. But Satan's got in our minds, right? You remember what he said to Eve? Remember what he said to her about the same thing? He said, oh, now, surely God didn't mean that, right? He didn't mean that. Really? You think he meant that? Go and eat that thing. Isn't that right? He just worried about you being God too, right? No, God meant everything that he said and that you and I are supposed to praise him and we're supposed to honor him. Offerings are different from tithing in that 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 offering belongs to God anyway and we're simply returning that which belongs to Him. That offering is something that is personal value that we give back to God out of true worship. This story here is simply about two things. The widow's mite, which represents worship and humility. The rich offerings, which represents tradition and obligation. Can I get a witness? Amen. Amen? The rich is tradition and obligation. I don't know how many churches you've been in in your life, but I've been in a good many of them. And a lot of the church service and a lot of the, the, the worship is all about tradition and obligation. Is that right? We come to church because we're just supposed to go to church. It's traditional that I go to church on Sundays. I applaud churches that have church outside of Sunday because it's outside of tradition. It's not about tradition, it's about Jesus. Amen? You know, you see what I'm saying? It's not, you know, church for some reason it said church had to be at 11 o'clock. It ain't nowhere in the Bible. But everybody wants to have it at 11 o'clock. You know why that is? Because we want to please ourselves. Come on, somebody. We're going to have it at 11 because I don't want to get up before 10, amen, and go to church. That's why it's 11. And then I also don't want to have, we want to have it at 11 because I don't want to interfere with my lunchtime at 12. You ever wonder why it's at 11? I just told you. Amen? Amen? That's free. It didn't cost you nothing. Amen? 
Y'all learned something today. Amen? I don't know if that's true or not. Sounds good to me, Ryan. <laughs> Ryan's police officer, he's looking at me like, can you prove that? Is that the law? <laughs> Amen? But there's no, what other reason is there? Amen? Think about it. Church on Wednesday night. We're going to have that thing about between 6 and 7. Why? Because I don't get off until 4, and i got to have a little bit of break between 4 and 6 or 6.30, and then I want to go to bed at 8.30, and if y'all at Gethsemane, y'all in trouble, we ain't out of here for 8.30. Amen? We're not traditional if we're nothing else. Amen? But whatever the reason is there, we don't want that to interfere with our bedtime. Amen? That's also why we quench the spirit, right? Because the spirit gets moving a little bit. Your stomach starts moving, and your stomach outweighs your worship. Right? Oh, Lord, if Brother Ron gets fired up up there, we're going to be up here till 2 o'clock. Right? So we'll see Brother Ron start to get fired up, right? And then we just, you know, if we're up here in the worship team, I'm not saying our worship team does this, but, you know, you'll see some worship director see old Brother Ron start to get a little fired up over there and go, last time. <laughs> Amen? Because <laughs> the stomach's getting a little bit, you know what I'm saying? Amen. It's out of tradition and obligation, some of the things that we do. But God's not interested in our tradition and our obligation. Amen? He's not interested in that. He wants what the widow's might represents here, which is worship and humility. Amen? That's what it's about. So the widow here, the true value of the widow's offering. Listen to this. This is something God laid on my heart, and I just had to put it in here. I hope I got it all in. The rich man's offering was given out of his increase. Listen now. This is important. We invest with our increase looking for a return. Most of us don't invest anything unless there is a return. That is human nature 101. Amen? Don't throw your money away. Invest in that which is going to return you dividends. Is that not right? In fact, our relationships are built around that. What does this woman or this man what do they bring to me, right? What do they bring to the table? Do they make me look better when they're hanging on my side? Can they cook me a good meal? Can they provide for me, right? Can they protect me? Whatever it is you want in there, right? We're, we, uh, we do it sometimes just unconsciously. We are going into certain things, whether it's relationships, whether it's whatever it may be, jobs, whatever it is, we're looking for what's in it for me, okay? That's it. We're looking for an investment that we receive a return on. That's what the rich man here in his offering, that's the essence of what he was doing. But her offering, however, represented a down payment, which meant there was more to come. Amen? In other words, she didn't invest looking for a return, but rather would return to invest. Amen? She didn't invest in a return. She, what she did was, she, she invested, she was going to return to invest more. I said to you that that mite was worth one sixty-fourth of a denarii, a day's wage. So if you took and applied a 10% tithe to the, the 64th, you would have 6.4 right of those things. She gave two, not six, two mites. So when she invested all she had, what she did was, I'm giving you what I got now, but I understand i got to give you more. Amen? She understood that there was more that she was going to bring to the table. They just kind of gave out of their abundance and said, here, we don't use it anyway. We don't really need it. 
I had a person tell me that one time. Said, do you need anything? Said, I got some money just sitting around, ain't doing nothing with. Isn't that nice? I just got some money sitting around, ain't doing nothing with. So the rich people went up to make themselves look good, cast some money in, and said, here, God, let's do what you want to do. I don't really need it anyway. Right? And they just wanted people to see them doing it. Right? They invested, looking for the return, and walked away from God, waiting on their return. Can't you just, don't you just know these people? This, can't you hear them going back into prayers tonight? night? All right, now, God, I gave that money. Well, amen. Make it happen. And I, I, need, I need some return here. Right? You tell me that you'd give it back to me, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. Right? So I'm throwing my money, and I'm waiting on you to throw it back at me. Right? You can just kind of hear that, right? Kind of going on. But this lady invested her two, tie, or her two mites there, but she also understood, I've got to bring you more. Amen? This is all I got right now, but I'm going to keep on coming. Amen? Amen? Listen to me. You may be in a church service on a Wednesday night or a Sunday and you just don't feel like worshiping God. But you worship Him anyway. Amen? Give Him what you got and just understand to bring some more back next time. Amen? Amen. Don't just give up on God and say, it's the best of God. I'm just throwing it at you, God. And just take it or leave it. I'm going home. Right? Give Him your best, whatever it is, but for goodness sakes, return to invest more. Right. Amen? Give God your praise. Amen? Don't just give Him a little praise. Don't just give Him what's just over and above. All right, I've praised everybody else. I've given everybody else. Right? I've done whatever. Here's what's left over. Right? Our worship should not be like the rich man here where we're giving this offering. We're investing it with, uh, with you know, again, looking for that increase for that return on our investment, we should be like her making the down payment and then returning, right, to invest in Him. It's what it's about. Our worship must be about investing in God. Why else are you doing it? Right? Why do you pay, why do you pay your time? Jesus said so. Right? <laughs> this is exactly what He's talking about. Right? We're not giving to God just for that reason. We're giving it because He's God. Right? He's the best thing you got going. That's right. Amen? It's not your 401k. The market could crash tomorrow. Y'all got 401ks? Look at it sometime. Or don't. It'll scare you to death. If you're above the age of 55, don't look at it. Because here in a few days, years, you're going to have to take it out. Right? Because, if, well, let me back up. If you're above 55, you probably ought to look at it. Because, you know, if it's here, you know what the chances are, and you ain't young enough for it to recover. But if you're young, don't look at it. Right? Because again, it's going to do this right here. It's going to freak you out. That's right. See, 401k is about a long-term investment. It's not about the short-term. Long-term. We can apply that to Jesus. It ain't about the short-term investment. It's about the long-term investment. Amen. Amen? It's about the long-term investment. But either way, right? we're looking at these things that we can, when you think about worship, investing in God, investing in Him because He's God and He's the best thing going. He's better than an IRA. He's better than a 401k. He's better than, than anything that may be out there. Better than CDs. That you're not getting a return on that. He's better than anything, that, better than any doctor that you have. He's better than anything. We invest so much in all these earthly and worldly things, but we don't invest enough in God. And what did He teach us? Not to lay our treasures up on this earth where moth and rust can corrupt, but He tells us to lay up our treasures where? Amen. In heaven. Right? Well, that stuff cannot destroy that. So our investment should be heavily, which way? Toward God. Amen. Not to the things of this world. You've heard it, you've heard it said, there's not too many U-Hauls behind hearse. Nope. 
Amen? If it is, it's because your kids ask them to hook it to it and drop it off at their house when they go past it to the cemetery. Isn't that right? Huh? What you and I are investing in in this life is going to pass away. Let me just help some of you young people. It's going to disappoint you. It's going to discourage you, but I didn't mean it this way, but it's the truth. It'll help you too. When I was a young person, I'd done my best to invest in everything. Man, I wanted property. I wanted a house. Right? I wanted all these things. I want to invest in this, invest in that. Make sure I got my, get this retirement down. Right? All this stuff you're trying to invest in. It like you're going to be here forever. Look, 70, 70 years is the, best, is the best God promised you. After that, you're on borrowed time. Amen? The Bible teaches us that. But we're investing like we're going to be here 700 years. 900 years. Ain't none of us Methuselah in here. All that ended because of sin. Right? Sin's what caused all that to, to die down to where you and I are today. They were intended to live forever. And because of sin, what happened? 900, 600, 500, 400, 300. He said the wage of sin is death. Amen, somebody. Amen. 200, 170. If it wasn't for modern medicine, we'd be down to 50 or 40 because sin destroys, and the Bible teaches that. Amen? But man, I was investing like I was going to live forever. When I hit the age of 45, I looked around and thought, man, you ain't got much time left. That's the truth. When you hit 45, you start thinking about what what time you got left and you start trying to get rid of stuff. You're trying to declutter everything. <clears throat> Amen? Amen? And so you start realizing, well, that was really pointless. All that land I own, I don't really own it. Right? I, I, the county owns it. If you don't believe it, don't pay your taxes. <laughs> Ryan will show up at your house with a, with a, you know, with a thing telling you you don't own it anymore. Right? You got you pay to your, pay your bills or the county's going to own it. That's right. Amen? You don't own that. You're borrowing it. You're paying payments on something you ain't even going to keep. Raise your hand if you own your house in here. I'm going to bust your bubble. You don't own that house. As soon as you die, whoever gets your house, going to sell that thing. Huh? The house you're living in right now, some rank stranger is going to be propped up in your living room. You ain't taking it with you. Well, my kids will have Yeah, they'll have it for a little while. They're going to die too. Yeah, whose house is it? The next guy's. Come on, somebody. Whose land is it? The next person's. Whose car is it? The next person's. Or the junkyard. Amen. You with me? Are you with me? I don't mean to disappoint you. I'm going to pick you back up. But the point is, we don't own all that stuff. You think you own it. You're just borrowing it. We're investing in something we're never going to keep. But if you invest in God... Your soul will be kept by Him and you will inherit a kingdom that cannot be taken from you. Amen? According to the Bible. Amen? The Bible teaches us that. Right? If He says to Him who overcomes, will He not give, right? And He names all those things. The kingdom of heaven belongs to those that invest in it. If you invest in God, it means that you have accepted His Son, right? And you have taken Him as Lord and Savior. You have invested in Him and your belief in God and you continue to invest in that until you leave this world. And you will reap dividends. Amen? Amen. Dividends. I love the Bible because it says, you know, that these old eyes of mine haven't even seen what I'm going to, the dividends that I'm going to receive and you're going to receive if we hold on to God and if we worship Him in spirit and in truth, if we make everything our being about God, the investment 
and, and the, 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 the riches, if you will, or the, the dividends, he says, your eyes haven't even seen anything like that. Those of you that are in here today, whatever's the, whatever the wealthiest thing, the, most, the thing that made you, you had to pick your jaw up off the ground, think about it right now. Think about it. Or what would do that? Right? What would make your jaw just drop and you'd be like, yes, I have a right. Right? Little cherubs are singing back here. Right? This is awesome. The Bible says that doesn't even scratch the surface. He said, your eyes have not seen it, neither has anybody else's. Neither has anybody's ears heard about how awesome this place is. These dividends. Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, he said. Neither has it even entered into the hearts of man. You cannot even dream it. Amen? I cannot dream it. It cannot be thought of how awesome that place is. Well, preacher, the Bible says in Revelation that we'll have walls of jasper and gates of pearl. I can vision it, preacher. Streets of gold, right? Crystal sea and all these things. He has to let us know something to help us understand what you're investing in. But it don't even come close. As awesome as that is that he tells you about, he says, it's, your eyes haven't seen it. Right? You haven't heard it. I've seen and heard that. But it's better than that. Amen? It's better. It's greater than anything we could imagine. The investment. So I want to ask you here today, where are you investing? Where's your worship going? Right? I'm going to ask you guys something here. I'm going to ask you something personal. Do not answer it, right? Because I don't want to have to call you out and cast demons out of you. Oh, my goodness. Just, just kidding. Just kidding. I don't want to, you know, look, I just know, I know some of y'all probably been some places last night you shouldn't have been. But wherever you were last night, wherever you were the night before, where were you this week? What did you invest in? What did you invest in? Right? Where was your... Where was your worship? That's just something for you to think about, right? Where did you invest? Was, was, would you consider where you were or what you invested in worldly or godly? Now I want you to think about the whole week and the time that you were given 24 hours every single day times seven, well, six and however many hours we've been so far. In that time period, how much of our time was worship to God and how much of it was worship to me? Amen? Now just think about it. Now you ain't going to say it. How much of your time was spent loving on God? Let me give you some examples. Praying. I prayed, preacher. We have how long? I said 24 hours a day, right? So praying, reading your Bible, going to church, whatever it is. I'm just naming some things. Visiting the sick, the downtrodden, calling somebody, texting somebody going to Bible study, going to a small group, whatever it might be. How much of our time did we invest in God and how much of it did we invest in ourselves? Well, preacher, you know, uh, there's a lot of time in there. And, uh, you know, i got to occupy myself. Think about it. Where are we investing? Where was our worship? Remember, where we invest is where we worship. We're investing in that which we worship. Amen? Remember what God said. He said, have no other gods before me, for I am a jealous God, saith the Lord. Is that right? Anything that I am worshiping more than God becomes an idol in my life. And if there's an idol in my life, why would God open up windows of heaven and pour blessings on me 
who is worshiping false gods. If my worship is toward those gods, then God says this, let them bless you. Amen? Let them bless you. Let's see if Budweiser will come to your house and pay your power bill. Amen? Let's see if the local drug dealer is going to come to your house and put food on your table because you don't have it to give to them. Amen? When you and I find ourselves in a tough spot, Lord, I need, I need, I need. What if God sent back, Mark, why don't you just go and invest? Why don't you go ask that one that you just invested in if they would help you with that need? I go ahead and tell you what they're going to tell you. <laughs> Come back when you need something from me. Is that right? <laughs> Where are you investing? Where is our worship? The cost of worship, the Bible declares to us, is all we got. All for Him. In John chapter 4, well, let me read to you James chapter 1, verse 27 first. Pure and undefiled religion before God. Now, there's all kinds of religion, but He makes it clear here before God. And the Father is this. Pure and undefiled religion. This is the gospel right here. To visit orphans and widows in their trouble and keep oneself unspotted from the world. That translates there, not, not just given to orphans and widows, but just simply meaning recognizing there's more than just you and I in the world. Helping others. The Bible says that we are the two greatest commandments is to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. Amen. Amen. He just said it again right here in just different words. Right? That's pure and undefiled religion, he says, to do those things and keep oneself spotted from the, unspotted from the world. In John chapter 4 and verse 23, this is possibly one of my favorite scriptures in the entire Bible. One of my favorite. I love it tremendously. Every time I read this passage of scripture, I'm just reminded of God's love for me and how much I'm supposed to love Him back. And I always find my thing about, thing about my pastor right here. If you don't know Pastor Keith and you ain't been around him long, you know he's got a heart of worship. Yeah. Amen? He just can't sing like me. <laughs> but to God, it's a beautiful thing. Amen? But he has such a passion for worship. So I always think about my Lord with this and I think about my pastor and just how we're supposed to be. Listen here, this is what, this is what John says. This is what God says as John penned it as he was inspired by God to do so. But the hour is coming and now is. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. Neighbor. Now is. Now is. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. He said, that hour's coming, and then he just paused and said, let me back up, now is, right? When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. Amen. This is who God's seeking, true worshipers. Our job is to seek God with all of our heart, and God is seeking those that is truly worshiping Him. That is a collision course that every one of us ought to be desiring. If we're just passionately pursuing God with everything in us, making Him the most important thing in our lives, pouring our worship into Him, if we are pursuing Him with that kind of passion, the Bible says that God is looking right for those true worshipers. That's who He's seeking. So if you're seeking Him and He's seeking you, now I'm not the smartest or nor the sharpest crayon in the box, but I understand that if this is moving at 60 miles an hour 
and this is moving at 60 miles an hour, they're going to meet in the middle pretty quick. But if I'm standing still and I'm just waiting on God, right, it's going to take a lot longer for Him to get there. But if I'm doing all I can pursuing Him, He's going to pursue me and we're going to meet in the middle and what happens next is the outpouring. Amen? The outpouring that all of us are looking for. And the Bible talks about that great outpouring. It happens when there is a collision between the Father and the children. Amen? And when we run headlong into each other, outpouring. When my children were little and the thunderstorm would come up and I'd hear that big boom and I'd hear them start screaming, I would jump up and run to them and they were running toward me. And we met somewhere in that hallway and ran right into each other. And both of us were glad we did because I was concerned about where they, they were, their well-being, and they were concerned about making sure they got to me to protect them. Amen? That's the way it is with our Father. He just wants you and I to run to Him in worship, and He will seek you if you are. And when He gets to you, He will bless you. Amen? Amen? He will bless you. If you would just bow your head in prayer here, or you just look at me. Don't matter. I don't know why we say bow your head in prayer. Just pray and seek God.